0: gender identity is affecting my marriage where do I go from here
1: welcome to the real talk recovery podcast with the therapy brothers we're brothers we're therapists and we know recovery bring your stories your questions your successes with real recovery Are you doing today, ma'am?
0: Oh, like it's, I'm doing really good. I, yesterday was awesome. I just had an amazing weekend. So
1: cool. What was awesome with,
0: about you up on the slopes again or something? Uh, on Friday, I was. Yeah. Um. And then just yesterday, spent time with family. I actually went and did a, a fifth Sunday lesson yesterday with just amazing people who had really open, honest questions. There's a lot of vulnerability in the building and just a lot of love that happened there. So that was great. And then um last night, I know I always talk about this, but last night at like nine o'clock at night, went up the canyon and jumped in the river while <laughs> while it was snowing. So <laughs> And it made me feel great. So
1: well, well, and you were able to take someone who typically isn't in this climate and made them do it with you. So then you got the pride <laughs> of watching them squirm. Yeah, to we you, took so. our
0: cousin Jeff, and and yeah. you know what? He he did awesome though. He just <laughs> stepped right in. Like I mean, he was courageous. So yeah, awesome. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. Cool, so man. here I am, alive, all right, and well, and energized. So good,
1: Brandon. Well, let's uh, let's get into it today. We got a really great question today and a really really solid guest. So, Bree, welcome to the show. Um, if you wouldn't mind just kind of introducing yourself, a little bit of your story, ask your question, and we'll we'll get started.
2: All right, thank you for having me on. I've been binge listening to your episodes for the past year, so I'm really excited to be here. Uh, so basically, I have been married for 16 years. Uh, we have been raised; we were both raised in highly conservative religious homes of the LDS faith, and continue to practice that faith today. And there is a lot of love and respect in our home, despite we, we have gone through and continue to go through. So uh, I when I got married 16 years ago, I was told that he had masturbation issues. At the time, I didn't know what that meant. Um, they began when he was around 11, and he thought that they would go away once we were married and sexually active. That's what he was told. Um, he was also kind of taught not to disclose certain information to me. So uh, once we became married, we were married for about a year when I found out that he uh, liked to wear my clothing and that it was becoming a problem. Um, I had to get rid of all of my lingerie at age 21. Um, I didn't realize that his cross-dressing had began when he was a young child at age six. So before he became 11, um, once he became 11, the two habits became interwoven of the masturbation and the cross dressing. Um, he, we've just had a lot of dishonesty with it. Um, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, money spent without me knowing, um, there's, you know, his version of pornography is very different than a typical man's version of pornography because usually it involves clothes, women, and him imagining himself being a clothes woman wearing the clothing. So. Um, it, it's been something that kind of has been able to go under wraps to be hidden from me and church leaders. Um, and, uh, you know, there has also been some virtual infidelity on top of that. So, uh, I, there's a lot to my story, so I'm not sure like what questions you might have for me in moving forward here.
0: I guess, Brie, what questions do you have for us? So it sounds well, like you've been dealing with this for a while. What questions yes. do you have for us?
2: So, my question is,, uh, basically, because he obviously has an addiction related to the masturbation is is part of his addiction. but the uh, I'm wondering if these are two separate things here. If there's a gender issue and then there's and is there also an addiction? because they become so interwoven, he's not able to even process one without the other at this time. and it's hard for me to process because I've been asking every basically every spouse that I have talked to in my community of my gender identity community um, has said this is not an addiction. Hmm. And my CSAT therapist says it's absolutely an addiction. Uh, he has started going to gender, ther- uh, gender counseling um, once a month. So it's very, very new uh, to the realms with that. But I guess it's just such a confusing situation that we don't know where to take this. I, I don't know how to... Um, I I kind of feel like we're dealing with an LGBTQ matter here. And I feel like even like his personality with everything, because he is very empathetic, very supportive, very good father. I just, some of it really aligns more with an LGBTQ mixed orientation marriage.
0: Is he very feminine?
2: No, he's sporty. He's a sporty man and he he kind of presented that self to me when we got married. Um, I had no, there would be no clue in my mind. He is not, he doesn't talk feminine accent. Like, I don't even know this female side of him, to be honest with you. I Mm. just know that he, he goes into female modes sometimes. And, you know, sometimes I'll be trying on a dress and, you know, this hasn't happened very often, but he, he has shared with me. I I really wish I could wear that. So.
3: Mm. Okay.
0: Heather, do you want to start?
1: Yeah, sure, Bree. So, um, so if I'm hearing you right, let me just make sure I'm clear on this. You guys have been working recovery for quite a while. The traditional, Mm -hmm. the traditional kinds of recovery, um, you know, over the masturbation and then over eventually bringing in this idea of this, like the cross-dressing and the, the masturbation to go with it. Um, What I, what i am maybe hearing inside of you is, is that traditionally when you look at like an addiction we're going to focus on the behavior itself and it's like okay pornography, masturbation sounds like he's had some level of infidelity to um all of those things if you look at it from the one angle is like yeah that's that's kind of the prototypical kind of addiction stuff that's that's going on there you know there's a compulsion mm-hmm. towards a behavior the behavior provides some type of a payoff that payoff then leads to some type of a reward, but then also it, it circles itself back down with shame and sometimes a lot of, con- of shame. Yeah. Some mm-hmm. type of consequence to your, to your life. And so if you look at it from that lens, it would make sense why you would say, yes, there's some type of an addiction process going on here. Call it a compulsion. There's something compulsive mm-hmm. that started, you know, way back at age six. Mm-hmm that this that has kind of stuck with him for as long as it has. And I think what you're keying in on is is like, okay, well we can focus on getting rid of a behavior,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but but I and I'm not sure if it's like just a gender issue or there might be other things here, but you're keying in on there's some type of, of an emotional process that's going on here in addition to the behaviors. And we definitely need to give some attention to that emotional process that's going on there. We need to get curious with it. We need to learn about it. We need to open, we need to take the lid off of it. So it's at least able to be looked at and talked about. Um,
2: mm-hmm. That's
1: that's what you're wanting to do. Is that right?
2: Yes, because uh, yeah, I you know, we do have that CSAT. And uh, I, I know there's, you know, there's always um, maybe hormone testing to see if he's out of balance or um, brain scan or... Whatever we need to do to tackle this is what I want to do, because I obviously don't want to let go of the good that we have in our in our family um, that we've built together. Uh, It's just um, it's difficult when it's hard to piece the two uh, piece apart, the two things, because he he's very much um, very, first of all, shameful of of the gender identity piece. He does love being a man, but then there's this huge side of him that loves being a woman. And he's kind of now having to face, do I choose this other life over my family? But he already has been making secret choices that have been going down a road of he has been choosing that anyway. And we might even be in a place of not being repairable at this point because of all the choices that have been made already. So, um... I'm just, I'm trying to, you know, cross all my T's dot all my I's to make sure that I'm doing everything as a spouse to help remedy the situation.
0: I, I, I think this question is hard. You're getting two different answers because you're going to two different professionals with different philosophies and, you know, c- you know, coming from different angles. And, but, but I actually think the, the answer is hard because I think both are true. Mm-hmm. So, so right on one hand, like his, his arousal template when he was six years old, or maybe even before that was starting to be developed and um, cross-dressing is on that arousal template. Right. And there's a difference between cross-dressing and, um, and being trans Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's an important thing to look at and try to figure out like, is he, is he just cross-dressing for kind of the rush of the cross-dressing or does he really want to be a woman? Um, And anyways, coming back to his arousal template has that on his arousal template. Now, if we, if we like, I know this is really hard as a spouse, but if we, mm-hmm. if, we if we don't look at that as good or bad, we just mm-hmm. say, okay. Right that's part of who he is as a sexual being um mm-hmm. that was put on his arousal template it's not good or bad whatever now let's bring the addiction side into things um if he's you know if he has compulsive behaviors that he doesn't want to do but he does them anyways if he's involved in secrecy um mm-hmm. if he's pushed limits beyond what he has done in the past it's kind of grown and progressed over time then um, those behaviors of what he's doing sure look like an addiction. Um, and so the CSAT I think is, is right. Now, if the CSAT is just looking at, because it's, it's cross-dressing, that's deviant behavior and he should stop that because that's bad. And therefore it's an addiction. Oh no, that's not true. Right. He's not seeing it that right. way, right? No. Right. Um, and so. So do you see what I'm saying? It's both, both can be true. There's, there's LGBTQ issues here. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we say issues, there's, there's that yeah. element here is what element, I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but there's also this compulsive secretive behavior that's been going on at the same time. Right. Do you, right. you understand what I'm saying?
2: Yes, Definitely mm mm-hmm. okay. so do. So do
0: then what do we do with this?
2: What do we do with this? Mm-hmm.
0: Right, because you're dealing with both.
2: Yes, and I will say as a woman, um, and I'm not, I, I am not anywhere near being a non-feminine woman. I mean, I have an abundance of clothing and fashion in my life and it's kind of part of the industry that I'm in. So uh, it's impossible, I feel like, to live with this man when I have an abundance of this everywhere in my home that is triggering to him and we have young daughters that are only going to grow up and have also triggering things to, to him. It, I, I just, I want to make sure that I know if it's even possible to live with him because to me, it, it feels like it's impossible because of this sexual desire of him.
1: Right. Right. Well, and I, I'd, I'd say, you know, if we're kind of looking at it from the addiction side of things for a second, like it's possible to have triggers and not act on those triggers if that's what I decide I want to do and choose to live that way, right? So the the fact that you live in a home with someone who's going to be triggered by some of that stuff doesn't necessarily need to be a deal breaker if he's choosing to live a certain way that doesn't like cause any like harm to you or the kids or or the rest of his life in the addiction sense. Right. So, so what I'm saying is the trigger itself isn't the issue because there's going to be triggers no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the ability to manage those triggers in the ways that feel like they're going to be most effective. That's going to be kind of the probably more, more pertinent to the decisions that you're going to need to make for yourself as you try to move forward in the future. Um, I, Uh, one of the things that, that we do, like, this is actually a fairly common thing that comes through like my office a little bit. Um, And a lot of times there's like, sort of like layers to it. The first one is just to take the shame off of it enough to even look at it and talk about Mm -hmm. it. Right. Right. And then when, when we can do that, then we can start to include curiosity, awareness, and then that kind of brings some choices back. And one of the things that, that I'll do with Uh, with my groups, you know, many of the men that are in my group, some of them have these kinds of like struggles. We actually do a series of assignments. And one of the assignments is we actually do something called fantasy and objectification. And we go into the places where they experience their deepest levels of fantasy. Basically, we're exploring their template as Brandon's talking about. And then as they share those things, we try to take the sex part out of it and look at everything else that's there with it. Needs, drives, um, beliefs about self, where do they Where do they come from? Where do they learn? And, and sometimes it leads them back into the place of going, oh, I've had these feelings here since I was this young, or, oh, I remember these things that happened in my family, or wow, I remember feeling this way the first time I cross-dressed at age six, and this is what it did for me and this is you know and and when they finally get a safe place to actually start to look at that stuff then they can go to work on the wrestle of figuring out you know what's what's actually real and accurate for them instead of having always lived at a certain standard which is can't even look at it don't even look at it right
3: mm-hmm. Um,
1: mm-hmm. and and i'm hoping that in the work that he's doing he's able to start taking that off the you know a little bit and it sounds like you want to be involved a little bit in what that work looks like and not just let's get sober
2: oh yeah it needs to be a lasting a lasting situation
0: brie Brie, i want to ask you kind of i want to give you throw a scenario past you and then just kind of Mm -hmm. see your your thoughts on this uh this is a real life scenario so i had a a fellow church member of mine, um, who was also a therapist and he was gay. Um, Mm -hmm. but he was, he was kind of openly gay, but, but not. So he was married Mm -hmm. to a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, they had, I think three or four kids together and he was, um, he was kind of writing the book on conversion therapy and just like, teaching LDS men how to, um, not be gay in, Mm uh, in a heterosexual relationship, even if you have those tendencies, right. Mm -hmm. And his career was based on that. Um, what, what do you think, like his wife feels like, and what do you think he should do?
2: Wait. Okay. I'm, well, I, I'm going somewhere with this. Oh, well, I already know a lot of this. Uh, these scenarios because I'm friends with all these women that are um, in mixed orientation marriages.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Uh huh. So I know that conversion therapy was very dangerous, very mm-hmm. not very effective at all, and did a lot more damage than good. Um, but it was definitely the way that was thought of, you know, whatever twenty years ago. Uh, so you're asking what should they, what, what does she feel? I mean, what what should he do and
0: what should she do? Cause it's interesting what you just said that conversion therapy is not very effective, right? Mm-hmm. That, that says something. So mm-hmm. like how do they have a happy relationship or a, a, a good marriage considering that his sexuality is, is there and is what it is. Right.
2: Well, my, my friends that are in mixed orientation marriages that work, uh, they have a lot of honesty and a lot of openness. I mean, my best friend is a lesbian and she's married to a man. So I know Mm -hmm. a lot about this. Um, she just turns off that, that portion of who she, you know, kind of like she, uh, she accepts that portion of who she is, but she moves forward with the love that she has in her marriage and her family. And that's what she chose. Uh, she was able to live the other life first. So that was easier for her to walk away from it than it was for her to envision what it could have been like if she had lived that life. Um, for these people in these mixed orientation marriages, some are happy and some aren't. Uh, so, but that goes for any marriage. Uh, sure. I think that the emotional, that that's the thing that my husband and I have is that we have a very strong emotional um, friendship connection that is sometimes I think stronger than most marriages have. Uh, so I, I know that, you know, maybe that couple that's in that mixed orientation marriage that you're talking about, maybe they have that and that's what's sustaining their marriage.
0: Um, yeah, I won't, I won't tell you what happened. (laughs) They got divorced. He came out of the closet and he Went uh, and lived his fantasies. Right. Yep.
2: But, I've um, seen that so, happen. Well, I guess too. I will tell you what
0: happened. Um, you just did. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved your answer, Bree. There's so your answer said they need to have a lot of transparency and honesty. And I would add something to that. Um, mm-hmm. just, just some, some acceptance and safety within mm-hmm. their, their relationship to be able to talk through things and have some, some real good intimacy. Um, And I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about intimacy in the relationship to navigate that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and you also mentioned, and the, the person needs to choose into the relationship, even if it's hard, even if it's a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and like your friend, she's choosing into her marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, your husband uh, your husband sounds like he's fence sitting
3: uh, oh yeah, and, and that's mm-hmm. the
0: issue here. and Two and, lives. I get, and I get that it's difficult. like what what he's being mm-hmm. asked to do is very difficult. but he's fence sitting. He's saying, I choose my marriage. I choose this LDS lifestyle. I choose what mm-hmm. I'm doing. That's that's what I want. But oh, by the way, I also want this. yeah, I, you mm-hmm. know, and I and I also like don't like I can't stop that. I can't yeah. Stop it. Mm -hmm. And as long as he fence sits like that, it's Mm going to put you in this position of betrayal. Mm -hmm. It's going to put you in this position of just feeling like I can't fully connect to him because he's right. He's fence sitting. Yeah. Um, So it, you know, it's a really difficult position for him to be in because that is on his arousal template and that's real for him. At the same time, he's not keeping his commitments to you to actually honor your boundaries, mm-hmm. right within your oh, yeah within your relationship. Mm-hmm. So, um, does that make sense?
2: Uh, yes, one hundred percent is what I've been saying. It's why we're separated. It's why we're not going to church together because I don't want to allow him to have these two lives. I mean, it's
0: how, it's been. How, The question, though, for you, Brie, is how long? Like, how long will you wait? And I know your truths and your boundaries to be able to say, how long will I wait before I look at this? And I say, maybe it's best to let him go. And, you know, and that's a hard that's between you and God. Right. That answer is between you and God. But in Mm -hmm. this struggle right here, there's a lot to learn in Mm -hmm. within yourself. Mm -hmm. This will push you to all of your limits. Yeah. yeah, Um, Yeah. But in this struggle right here, just stay honest with yourself, stay, stay connected so that you can make those hard decisions. So Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Brandon, to go Mm -hmm. along with that, you know, I think, I think the thing that makes this hard, even a little bit more difficult is, is like, okay, let's say he acknowledges that he's listening to this episode now and goes, yeah, you're right. I am fence sitting. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not typically as simple as well, I'll just jump off one side of the fence and be done with it. It's more like he's he actually needs to go through his own process to figure out which side of the fence he's yes. That's needs a great to, point, he needs to Tyler. choose into. Like, because because right now he's in a situation where either side of what he chooses will come with cost and consequence. And it might not even be through total fault of his own, but but in order to make a good decision, he needs to lean himself into a process where he can be curious with himself enough to say, all right, does this feel like something that, and, and the truth is, is I've seen it happen all different ways where I'll have a guy who's like, nope, I know that this is just a compulsive thing that's tied to some childhood needs that I never got met. And I can work on this from that angle. And I'm going to choose into my marriage. I have other guys who have said the same thing that you're saying. And then I think, Bree, you said your friend is, is where it's like, actually, no, I think I've ha- I've got these drives that are just born into me, but I also still want to choose to live this certain way and keep my family or whatever else too. That comes with its own cost. Then there's the other ones who go, I just want to go pursue the thing because it's a compulsion and I want to give it up. That's the addiction one that gives into the addiction or, or the other side of that, right? So there's lots of different layers, but in order to come to the right conclusion to be effective, basically to be authentic, I have to actually allow myself to go and explore what's actually authentic. Well, and w- really what you're saying, Tyler, is
0: it would, it would be wise of him to get himself in some real good recovery before he makes these decisions. Absolutely. And, yeah. I always say like when big de- decisions like this, um, don't don't rely on your head because your head's just going to tell you what you should do and do the right thing and Don't rely on your heart. Like his, his heart might be like, well, I don't want to hurt Brie and I care so much about her. So I'm just going to keep, don't rely on your penis because his Mm -hmm. penis might tell him something completely different to do. Right. Um, But rely on your, your gut and your intuition and being centered and, and like really knowing what truth is. And when you're, when you're swallowed in shame, and, you know, feeling like I'm a horrible husband here and I'm bad there. And it's really hard to get in alignment with your gut and to really, truly know what you choose into. And so I know he's not here, Brie, but we're talking to mm-hmm. him. It's all about him actually doing that work to be able to get centered to then to, to then have that decision. But for you, Brie, it's the same thing um in you really getting centered in in your gut truths and what's what's right for you and moving forward and you've done some hard things you've separated
2: you've mm-hmm. had
0: boundaries you've worked some good recovery um and you're still in that process and and you're kind of waiting and seeing right now and it's really difficult right right are you ready to make a decision right now
2: I feel like I'm honestly being pushed to make a the hardest decision that I will ever have to make.
1: What's and pushing that?
2: Well, it's the limbo. It's him still choosing both sides. It's him not getting into full recovery. It's him not not fully participating. And um, I think his definition of recovery is very different than than my understanding of it. And so, you know, he's kind of wavering back and forth and he's not really truly... I feel like I'm building a stinking ark. I literally feel like I'm building an ark and he's building a fisherman's boat. Mm. And he's maybe, I mean, in just kind of like going along. And I feel like I have a rope attached to my ark that I'm allowing him to kind of like, you know, fish and feed us, feed our family fish. And I'm moving along, I'm sailing a lot harder than he is. And so, I don't know how long that rope is going to hold. That's how that's how I, I honestly feel, and I I want him to keep up. I want him to be able to come climb on the ark with us, but he's he's still living a life as a mermaid. Sometimes, you know, so it's just really hard to to live that way for me. And I know it's scary on the other side. I think that the the hardest thing is I see my kids, and I I know that we have a at least a really good friendship and a really good um respect with each other as co-parents and friends. And so I'm wondering, is that enough?
3: Um, so it's a hard decision. What's coming up, bree, as you're as you're as you're kind of talking through that.
2: It was just annoying yeah. <laughs> i mean i never ever would have chosen this life for them
3: um yeah i just have to face like some of my biggest fears right now Yeah,
2: and it's really hard when i have this you know really nice fisherman that's feeding me fish at least Mm -hmm. and i'm you know trying to be grateful for what i have um but i also know i can't live this limbo and i can't live this dishonesty and this double life anymore it's not fair to me Mm yeah
1: if if you were to Get a sense, even if you don't know how it's fully going to turn out, if you were to get a sense that there wasn't the dishonesty, would it buy time for the rope not to break?
2: Absolutely. But there has been no evidence of that in my marriage. Yeah. yeah. So even though, even though I can say like, oh, his intention is to do this. And he says he's going to do this. I mean, he signed a contract with me with our CSAT saying, I will tell her in 24 hours of, you know, of any acting out. And yeah. what happened was some really crappy things after that, really, yeah. really terrible things of, you know, a uh, family illness that happened in the hospital, you know, and all the time in the world to tell me of a relapse that he didn't tell me. And he continued to have the relapses without telling me months and months until I found out, um, and that's when everything just changed. I was, it, I, it would have been completely different if there had been at least honesty yeah. after he had written the contract or after he had signed the contract. Yeah. Yeah. And I am very logical. I'm a very logical thinker. And I'm thinking, if this guy was my employee, he would be fired. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You don't breach a contract mm-hmm. like that. You don't, yes. you don't mess around with that. And so I'm thinking, if he can't be honest with me, through a life altering diagnosis of one of our family members, if he can't be honest with me with a contract that he signs after 16 years of marriage and other things that I'm not going to share on the podcast, because I just don't want to disclose other information. If he can't be honest with me through that, what the heck is he going to be on? When, when the heck is he going to be honest with Mm me? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of why I want to like explore does he need a brain scan? Do we need to see if there's something in his brain that does not allow him to be honest? I I, I just I I wish I knew. I wish I, I knew why.
1: Yeah, I, I hear you, Bree. I think as you're talking, even some more clarity is coming to my mind. Is just to hear you is that I I see man, you've done a ton of work. Like the fact that you can talk so clearly the way that you are and to offer him so much understanding and grace, even in the midst of the hell that you're currently in says a lot about the work that you're doing. And what I'm hearing you doing is is trying to, there's two ways to look at it. One is is that you're trying to be as thorough as you can before you're forced into a decision you don't want to make. Or you're grasping at straws to not have to make the decision by hoping there's something wrong with the brain scan or that he's got this Mm -hmm. other issue or this other issue. Mm -hmm. Instead of instead of being arm twisted into this place where your gut's starting to say, dang it like this isn't
3: Mm -hmm.
1: what I'm hearing this isn't totally a gender issue it would be it would be really nice if it was Mm -hmm. because then you wouldn't have to make the decision that he's just choosing not to be fully honest with you it's a trust issue. This is a this is a trust mm-hmm. issue more than it is anything else and it's like man I wish I wish there were some other factors here so that I could give myself more time and give him more time because I don't want the I don't want the rope to break on the back of that boat yet even though mm-hmm. I kind of see that that's maybe the place that I'm going to end up having to go which will be a real tragedy because he's a real good dude. Mm-hmm. Like and I love him and I want mm-hmm. the best for our kids and but mm-hmm. but you're doing the right kind of work because you're seeing this as the principle of, for what it is, which is trust. Like mm-hmm. he's not, he's not really doing the work, even though he's saying he wants to, the behaviors aren't lining mm-hmm. up with it. And it sounds like you're trying to create a place in your relationship where it would be safe to be curious and open about the process. If there could mm-hmm. be honesty.
2: Mm-hmm. And the I've only real
1: possibility yeah. is honesty.
2: I've done that for the past five years, though. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. when we got into this whole mess of facing it. You know, after being ten years of denial, then five years of active recovery for me. Yeah.
0: Brie, I I don't hear uh, that you're in limbo. Um, I don't think that's <laughs> I don't think that's where you're at. I think you're in grief, and the first stage of grief is just a little bit of denial. But it's it's interesting when you when you bring up your kids that's where it's like pain right it's yeah. like that you're 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 hit with that pain a little bit
3: mm-hmm. and you
0: don't want to drink the bitter cup it's it, you know that trust isn't there you know trust mm-hmm. probably won't get rebuilt you know that there's deal breakers within your own boundaries and your own truths that are not being met in your marriage and that you're you're being asked to sacrifice a huge part of you and who you are to stay married to him um mm-hmm. and so you know all of these things you know that's the case, Mm -hmm. but you want to avoid the pain because it's painful and and it's hard. And
2: I mean, I face the pain though. I mean, I, I'm okay. I, I'm not okay. I don't like facing the pain, but I feel like I have been facing the pain. I, I just think that if there's any way to fix this rope, I want to fix the rope.
3: Yes.
0: Let's talk about another rope. Um, I, I've, I share this analogy a lot. You probably heard it, but you know, you're walking across the bridge. Have you heard this one? Um, another person's walking across and they stop you in the middle of the bridge and they hand you a rope and they take the other side of the rope and they jump off and they're dangling there and you got somewhere important to go, but they're dangling there and, <laughs> and they're saying, don't drop me. Don't let mm-hmm. it go. Don't let it go. And you're like, well, climb up the rope, come climb up the yeah. rope. And they're, and they're like, no, no, I'm, I'm just... And but don't drop me and your arms are getting tired and your shoulders are getting tired and you got somewhere to go and you can't tie the rope to anything. You just have to hold it, hold it, hold it. And they're just dangling there and they're they're not climbing up the rope. So, and, and they're throwing a ton of guilt up at you. If you drop me, you'll destroy my family. If you drop me, like, don't hurt me. Don't break this. Um, What are you to do? What's the right
3: thing to do? That's literally how I feel right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's an unfair position to be put in.
1: If you don't do anything, what happens?
2: I mean, I already know the answer to that. I, I already know that I can't. For my own health, I can't move forward with that rope. I already know that. Mm-mm. Which is why he's not living with me right now. I have an enormous amount of safety and security and knowing that I have trust in my home at least and that I'm moving forward in the best way that I can. and I'm trying to let go of um, my identity as a
3: wife um, to repair myself for that step. Yeah.
1: And in the meantime, you're buying a little bit of time to see if he'll start moving his hands up the rope. And if he does, then maybe there's different choices, but if he chooses to not do that, then eventually, if you don't make the choice, you'll eventually have to let it go because you'll either go over the edge with him and totally be consumed or you'll be too fatigued to hold on and you'll have to let go
3: right
1: and your yeah. sho- your shoulders and your back are pretty darn tired
0: like you you've been you've been holding on for a, a long time and i never i i tyler and I, I at least i don't tell people to get divorced or not like that that's the right thing to do or not um but what our job is is to help reflect back the reality Of the situation so that somebody can look at reality and then step into what truth is for them and the reality is is you've been fighting long and hard here um you've been doing a lot with this and and yes could you have a happy marriage even if he has um this on his arousal template even if he has some cross you absolutely could people can make that work and recovery is absolutely real um I just don't know if he really wants recovery. And I wonder if he's kind of hoping for you to let go of the rope in some ways. Um, and so that everything can change. Um, I don't want to speak for him, but that's kind of what the actions are saying here.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? right. The actions are different than what he says.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Free, uh, I know we're getting close on time here today and there's, we probably have a lot more that you'd want to talk about first, I guess, just where are you at currently emotionally in our discussion right now? What are you feeling and thinking? And then is there any last questions or thoughts that maybe we need to still address? Uh,
2: emotionally, I've actually been in a really good emotional place for the past a week and a half which is amazing i'm usually not uh in an emotionally stable place but i have done a lot of of work um oh my goodness i i guess my last question is is just do i you know i i've given some expectations to him these are my expectations of what i'm going to need because i I feel like he takes it as like just suggestions, like for him, like, you know, as see we're talking to our CSAT, like, Oh, there's this option, you know, you could go in, you know, you could get, you could do this option. And, um, for his recovery. And I don't think he realizes that's absolutely my expectation of what I'm going to need moving forward. I guess I'm wondering the balance of giving him my expectations versus I obviously don't want to take reins at all on his recovery because he needs to do it on his own. So where do I, if this, if I'm at the end of my rope and I'm like, I I don't want to, I don't want him to fall off the rope in the back of the boat out of not understanding my expectation of what I need from him to even Brie, move forward at all. Brie,
0: you just asked a question that could be like a three-part series of like <laughs> four, four more episodes. Of- and
2: we you probably <laughs> already gone you've probably already <laughs> done the episodes. I probably yeah, already you yeah. know I guess I'm just wondering in my situation just
0: I, I would in this a uh, quick answer here um okay. for from for me is I'd I'd take away all those expectations. Um I wouldn't give the, give him any of them. Um and what I would focus on instead Is is what you really need. So there's a difference between I expect you to call your sponsor every day, or I expect you to eat healthier. I expect you to do. Why do you? Why do you want that? Like, why do you want him to do all those things? Because he could checklist this and do all those things. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Why? Why? Why do you want him to do all those things? What is it about you? Like, what do you need?
2: Because I want to be in a healthy marriage, and I want to be married to someone who is healthy.
0: Okay so a healthy marriage means you're married to somebody who has self-determination and internal motivation to be the healthiest mm-hmm. person that they can be. So mm-hmm. if you, if you throw all these expectations out there, if you need to do this, 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 and this, it actually undermines your ability to know whether he's actually going to do it. Right. And, and what you really need is you want a man who's going to step up and work his own recovery. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. what I want. So I need trust. I need safety. I need, I need to feel some consistency from, from you now, how you do that consistency or whatever, like do it, whatever, but I need transparency. Uh, so like, I, I need those things to be in my marriage, not the nitty gritty. This is my expectation that you do this thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Does that,
0: does that make sense?
2: Yes,
1: I, I, it does I mean,
2: make sense. I guess, sorry, go go ahead.
1: No, yeah. Just to kind of reiterate what Brandon's saying, and maybe this will help clarifying it a little bit too, is, and I mine's answer is a little different than Brandon's, but it's same mm-hmm. things as, I think that honesty on your side being demonstrated is is vital. So for you to go to him and say, but identify principles first. I need effort. I need transparency. Mm-hmm. I need right. honesty. I need... These are some of the ways, if I want to then bullet point effort, I'd say, these are some of the ways that I would know you're doing your work, da, 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 da. but you also need to be honest with him. If I feel like these principles aren't being committed to, it doesn't matter whether or not you be called your sponsor or not. If I feel in my gut that these things aren't committed to, then this is what I'm going to do for myself. And, and it's not an ultimatum. If you're being honest and saying, man, my heart, my hands are tired. I need honesty, transparency. If you were making phone calls, if you had bottom lines, if you were doing your dailies, if you were working recovery, if you were going and actually exploring this stuff that's going on underneath the surface with your gender stuff, all of that stuff would speak effort and work and transparency and honesty and curiosity to me. I'd be more inclined to stay. But even if you did all of that, and I still felt like that was like your heart wasn't in it, I'm still going to go and make my own choices. If he
0: does all that out of compliance. So if you give him the list, and he does it all mm-hmm. out of compliance, nothing's mm-hmm. getting better. he's just your found gut enough, will still feel off. He's found another yeah, way it, to manipulate already, you to yeah, stay. Yeah, it's happened. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Vers- versus you don't give him the list, but you give him the principles, like Tyler said. And these are principles core to your truth of who you are. Hey, I need honesty in my marriage. I need trust, um, You know, consistency. Those things are important to me and then you the, the analogy we always give is you sit on the shoreline and you kind of watch to see what happens and mm-hmm. instead of go out there and try to force him to do it the the problem is here is you really believe deep down that he's not going to do it he's that self initiative to do his own recovery stuff in the right way you believe mm-hmm. he's not going to do it so you want to overstep and kind of make sure he does it that will undermine the whole process so um anyways like I said we could go on and on about that yeah. one Bree No that makes um, sense So I just want to thank you for being here thank, yeah, you, thank for, you for for being vulnerable and uh and for even stepping into the pain here with us a little bit today Um you're a courageous woman who's done a lot of hard work tons of work So keep it up Bree you're you're not going to have to stay stuck in this suffering and this struggle forever where you're at as long as you continue to trust yourself trust your gut Rely on good support.
1: You're gonna be okay. Okay.
2: Okay. Thank hey. you so much.
1: Thank you, right. Bree. And thank you to our listeners who are here. I'm sure that this probably is hitting some nerves for a lot of people right now. We'd love to hear your feedback. And I'm sure you wouldn't hurt to throw a shout out to Bree as well for her courage to come on. So thank you guys.